Hi everyone, I'm Richard Jackson from Pulse Cybersecurity and welcome to the third episode in our Human Security live webinar series which is all about how human beings impact on cybersecurity and why the, the key to, to reducing cybercrime lies with your employees if we're coming at this from a business perspective. And today's webinar is entitled Trust Nobody, How to Beat the Cybercriminals. Just a short biography of myself, uh, and Mike Clark, who's also on the call today. So I'm Richard Jackson of Pulse Cybersecurity. I'm the Senior Information Security Consultant with Pulse, and we support businesses of all kinds, although we, we focus on three core sectors, which is accountancy, health and social care, and education, so schools and colleges, to reduce your cybersecurity risk uh, and also support with GDPR compliance. And I'm joined on, on this webinar series by Mike Clark of Empowered People Thrive, Hi Mike, great to see you again. Can you just give us a little bit of a biography on yourself and your business, please? Hello Richard, how are you? Good to I'm see you too. Well. Um, uh, uh, my, my company is all about helping people to make the right decisions for themselves. So to take action, um, possibly to feel autonomy in their lives or in their work, where possibly it appears my night, uh, sort of some uh, might not be, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think the um, what we've discovered over the course of the series is that um, the, the aspect of my work on your work knits together incredibly well and it's definitely a, a unique approach to, to cyber security and data security which is, I think has been surprising some of the attendees we've had so far. Mm, so, so we're only live for half an hour. Um, if you've got any questions please use the chat function in Zoom or email hello at postcyber.co.uk. Last week we actually ran out of time and didn't have any time to, to answer questions live so I was, responded to people after the event. So if that happens again, apologies, we're not ignoring you. We just have an awful lot of content to get through and, and some thoughts and, and views to share that we hope you'll find interesting. And you can email that email address on screen, hello at pulsecyber.co.uk with any questions. A couple of quotes to get us started, just to, to provide some context. So someone I follow on Twitter, and I'm a big fan of, and it is Nick Espinosa in the States. Uh, and Nick's spoken about this in, in some depth in the last couple of years. And his quote is, in cybersecurity, trust means vulnerability and trust will get you hacked. So it's quite a statement to start off with. And he follows that with, cyber defense is only as good as our weakest vulnerability and that is usually trust. So this is one of the reasons we're talking about trust today and why Mike will give his insights into how human trust is constructed and how we, how we build trust and how we can maybe start to challenge our own trust systems. And then we move forward to another quote, which starts off with the idea that belief leads to emotion, which leads to behavior, which leads to habit. And this is from Adam Anderson, another TEDx speaker, this time at Greenville. Uh, and his quote was that cybersecurity is not about computer science, it's about behavioral science. And if you look at some of the stats I'm about to put up on the screen in a moment, you'll see that that rings true. And although in cybersecurity, we talk a lot about technical controls and how we can, can put these things in place to reduce risk, the true, the true key to this lies with people and our habits and how we deal with, with emails or, or texts through phishing or smishing attacks, etc. And if we can maybe change these behaviours, we might start to see some real impact on, on the security impact and the cybercrime, perhaps reducing because we've started to educate people and users. So, so a few stats that are up on screen at the moment, and this really is about trust letting the criminals in. So 91% of attacks by sophisticated cyber criminals start through email. 
Emotional lures, which we're going to talk about a bit today, are, in, are entertainment, social reward or recognition. And only 3% of malware tries to exploit an exclusively technical flaw, whereas the other 97% targets users through social engineering. And we spoke last week, Mike, didn't we, about social engineering in some depth. Um, and, that, uh, and that webinar is available on YouTube and our YouTube channel, and I'll, and I'll share some links at the, at the end. And a couple of interesting stats just to add on, 15% of people who are successfully scammed will be targeted again within that same year, which is quite interesting. And if you're in business and you're watching this from a business perspective today, the average cost for a UK business as a result of email compromise is around £27,000. So it's quite significant. Apologies to our, to our viewers in the States. Um, there will be some UK-based content today by the nature of where we're broadcasting from. So very much, Mike and I believe that people hold the key to reducing cybercrime. So society as a whole, people in business, human beings, we hold the key. Uh, we can make the most impact on this problem, which is global. And this is where we start to move away from traditional cybersecurity thinking and more into, into human behaviours and behavioural science. And what we're going to talk about briefly, uh, and this is Mike's field of expertise far more than my own, is heuristic versus critical thinking. So I'll give you the, the, um, the explanations of what they are. So heuristic is a sensory shortcut that allows people to solve problems and make judgments quickly and efficiently. It speeds decision-making and allows us to function without stopping to consider the next courses of action. And I'd really like everyone watching now to start thinking about when you get an email coming into your inbox about how that heuristic thinking might apply in most cases. And we think what we should be looking at instead of heuristic thinking is critical thinking, which is an analysis of the available facts to form a data-led judgment, including the rational, skeptical, unbiased analysis or evaluation of factual evidence presented to us. So Mike and I were talking about this on Friday for, for quite a while and it got quite, you know, quite, turned into quite a passionate debate, Mike, didn't it? And can you give us, give us your, your, kind of, your view of these two types of thinking and how, how the brain kind of deals with this stuff? So if we look at heuristic thinking, obviously the explanation is fantastic, it's very scientifically written. What it means in layman's terms to you and I is our brain can soak up 11 million bits of data or information uh, that it receives from our surroundings. Wow. So just a simple walk across our front room to say open the, the French patio doors uh, that open out into your garden area. If our brain had to stop and actually think about every single aspect of the distance between you and the coffee table so you don't knock into it, uh, the feeling of the different textures of flooring under your feet as you make your way across the room, all of those things, if you like, would be a sensory overload. So heuristic thinking is where the brain makes calculated judgments on its previous experiences. So it's burnt neural pathways, synapse connections, which allow the brain to very, very quickly retrieve that information and so use it the best way it can so that we can make that journey without fretting or worrying about it. So that yeah. kind of, sum, what you've written in there, sums it up beautifully. Yeah, I mean, um, it sounds, from a cybersecurity perspective, heuristic sounds quite a dangerous way to apply ourselves. Without a doubt, because it, it's relying upon, i give an example, you know, if, if people use their mobile phones, as we do a lot these days, and we access our email via that mobile phone, and in a lot of cases, most people have more than one email, um, sort of, uh, you know, so there's like, it could be Gmail, and it could be an Outlook, and it could wow. be Sky.com, there are lots of different ways to receive email, and it might be because of your job and your private life, you've got two or three. 
yeah. our natural instinct is to click and read and then respond straight away. And we do it through our phone yeah. because what we've been socially engineered to do by the people that produce the phones and the technology is to use our phones in that way. So what our brain is doing is taking over things that possibly we might just, we need to stop and start thinking about a little bit more. Sure. So how does critical thinking differ? Critical thinking is where the, the actual conscious self gets involved and we start, before clicking, start thinking about what we're doing. Um, you've mentioned sort of phishing emails are quite a high percentage of the ways that, um, if you like, a cyber criminal might approach you. And I guess if someone were to be able to see what is a normal email, and lay it next to, or put it next to a phishing email, some characteristics will start to appear that, uh, if you like, might raise suspicion. And it's that thing of being focused enough when you open up your email inbox to think before you click yeah. and uh, and start looking at what is it I'm seeing. Um, you, you've got, I know you've got some more slides, so I don't want to go too far down the road. No, but fine. critical thinking is definitely about, if you like, Human beings are basically very skeptical. We have a thing called the insular cortex buried deep in our brain. And the insular cortex does things like fight, flight, or freeze. Oh. But it also does some other cool things for us that, if you like, make us very skeptical to safety because we want to be, we don't want to be vulnerable. The yep. word vulnerability was used in your previous stats. And so, although, if you like, the gut reaction, heuristic thinking through the insular cortex might lead us to click, there's also an element, if we train it well enough, that will allow us to just stop and think a little bit and go, how safe am I? And it's yeah. an important thing for us to dwell on. Sure. I mean, so if you, from my perspective, I mean, where I'm at with this is, and I think as a result of the three webinars that we've put together, is the fact that, um, you know, we've, we've all been given, essentially given the internet over, you know, over the last few decades and just given it to use without any real kind of preparation what we're doing and the threat obviously has evolved over over recent years more and more with cybercrime. and i think what we're looking at doing through this series is almost like saying you know what we need a blank canvas here we need to completely retrain how we approach email and, and text so so we've we've put together um we've, we've had some ideas mike and myself and we're going to basically ask you to switch on your trust filter <laughs> through something called the pulse pentagon so this is this was born out of um, some research that mike and i did um, and what we're looking at is giving you and giving your employees a really easy to use tool that basically you can give to your employees, have it next to the computer or you know, on, a, on a, something attached to your laptop or in your pocket or, or maybe even on a mug that you know, we might put together some Pulse mugs and send out everybody. But what we're gonna be talking about here is five key checks that every individual should, should go through and apply this critical thinking that might explain so well uh, and apply five factors when you receive an email or, or an SMS, because you receive less text than you do emails these days, and cyber criminals are definitely playing on that because you're more likely to trust them. So, so what we're gonna ask you to, to think about is authority, urgency, emotion, demand, and topical. And they're the five key checks that we're gonna talk through in, in a bit more depth now, Mike. So we're gonna start with authority. Um, and what do we mean by that? So what we're talking about here is when you receive an email or an SMS, is the sender claiming to be someone official? So if you think about that old standard HMRC, the, the UK tax tax office, that's that's um, that's been spoofed regularly over in recent years in terms of making people feel they need to act for different reasons because it gives the authority gives that call to action, doesn't it? So so why do we respond to authority in such a way? 
Again, it's something, um, there's, a, there's a thing in education called rote learning, uh, where we do things habitually. And if you like, we've been trained from a very young age, from childhood uh, through school to where we are now as adults, to follow what we would consider to be authoritative uh, people. So I'll give you an example. You, you gave H, uh, you know, the, the, the HMRSC, and I, and I think maybe another one might be, let's say, PayPal. Yeah. Uh, where you might have an account and if PayPal were to email you and ask you to go and check your account or to update details, you would do it without thinking mm. because you've given them authority to also look after your money. So the authority is two-sided. It's not just for me, someone that is an authoritative person for you and in your life. It's uh, maybe your e it's your email account for, say, uh, your, your eBay or whatever account it is where you know and, and they might say to you, come and have a look at this. So authority, one to be very, very careful of because I'll tell you something really silly and interesting, but it's relevant. Around about the 60s, a, a, a Professor Milgram did some experiments, quite famous ones, where he got ordinary members of society, he was dressed in a white lab coat, to administer electric shocks. The electric shocks were imaginary, so the people that were being given them and reacting to them weren't being given any, given any shock. It was just acting. Okay. But members of the public were allowed to, when someone gave the wrong answer, administer what would have been probably, or more than likely, life-limiting electric shocks. Wow. And it's quite extraordinary how the ordinary human being, through rote learning, would follow the person in the white coat's instructions, despite the fact the evidence is they shouldn't be doing it. Yeah. Does that make sense? Definitely. Is, so, that built into, is that built into a kind of human psyche of hierarchy? Well, it is. And it, it, we could talk for hours and I won't. Yeah. I, think that, <laughs> I, think, I, I suppose the thing is this, is if you are somebody at the top of your business, you might in your business be considered by everybody that works for you the ultimate person they are totally responsible to and accountable for. Yeah. So that authority is uh, as something that, if you like, uh, they say you sell your soul to a company, don't you? Mm. Um, and I think that sometimes employees might do things that are unethical because their employers ask them to just because it's their employer through fear of losing their job. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. So the authority yeah. measure has got that sort of, it, it, it's a, a, a very big, very big subject. And, and I like the idea you gave that it's somebody asking you to do something who you would normally respond to. And um, for me, the other side of it, I think authority is where you've given somebody authority of you, like your bank, like, yeah. as I said, um, you know, an account you might hold where you have details you can change or want to edit. Yeah, it's worth adding at this, this point, these five key checks are all about what cyber criminals will use, especially in social engineering Absolutely. and phishing attacks. You know, they will, they will use these, um, these human science techniques to increase the chance that we will respond. So in a classic uh, high level example, for instance, they would apply all five. Um, Without yeah. a doubt. Yeah, yeah. yeah. to be, you, these, are, these are not standalone. And I think that's something that I would like to stress. You might see that two or three of these immediately are something, you're going to respond to some of the five is what we're saying. And yeah. they usually are all yeah. apparent, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, and it's also worth, worth saying at this point, you know, the traditional view of of a, of a cyber criminal or someone trying a phishing attack or social engineering is an individual somewhere just trying their luck, just just casting a rod, you know, like, a, like as if they're salmon fishing. And it's much more complex and organized than that now. We're talking organized crime. And this mm -hmm. is almost like trawling compared to fishing for, you know, with a rod. Um, yeah. and, and, you know, they're well resourced and they're, they're applying and using resources such as uh, marketing experts, 
experts in the human sciences, psychologists, etc., to to play on our frailties and to press our buttons. So so authority is definitely up there, and I think brand comes into that as well. Trusted brands. If a, you know, if you accompany a phishing email with a, with a with a recognizable logo that you feel comfortable with, that's going to increase those chances on authority. So so that pretty much covers authority. Although we're very 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 light touch today, obviously. Um, and then we move on to urgency. And this is the key one for me, Mike, um, you know, urgency. So are you being told you have limited time to respond? So it's all about putting you on the spot. You talked about fight or flight earlier and, and the fear of making mm. the right or wrong decision. And I think urgency is, you know, for instance, you've only got two hours to respond to this or you're in trouble, that kind of stuff. So how, yeah. does, how does urgency affect our emotion? I think that we live such a fast paced life now. And again, as you said earlier, we've we've been trained to use the Internet and we are now incredibly impatient. So one part of urgency for me is that it's the now do it now. And I think that they're relying upon the fact that for many years now we're all click, 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 click happy, if you like. Um, and the urgency is quite easily created. Is, give an example I'm self-employed so if I had uh, an email that said you know click here to claim your uniform allowance or uh, you know click here to get so much tax back you're more likely to respond to that because of yeah yeah myself you know yeah yeah definitely and I think you know for those of you watching and looking at the screen now please apply this to the current situation with COVID-19 and the steep rise in cybercrime in relation to coronavirus because this is what this is all about uh, so urgency, for instance, or authority, you know, you've got things like the World Health Organization, yeah. urgency, you've got organizations trying to sell you protective equipment. Um, that, and it's all about dr those drivers to get you to do something and to put you on the spot. And also, if, if, you're, if you've been asked to do something quickly and urgently, you're less likely to apply that critical thinking, I guess, Mike. What we need to do is stop and slow down without a doubt. Yeah. You know, if you think about it, this particular sort of these unprecedented times that we're in are a great social science test that the cyber criminals are using to up the ante and just see what we will respond to. So there's something new. They'll learn a lot from this, just so you know. Hence why more than likely cyber crime will increase dramatically beyond this particular period of time because they're constantly testing our response to authority to urgency to emotion demand and again the topical element of yeah. your pentagon yeah i mean it reminds me a little bit of um the uh, the, the avengers assemble you know the last movie when when you've got those kind of aliens trying to break through the barrier and they're, they're, they're not they're all just basically testing it to find a weakness and this is kind of exactly what's going on now so yeah. So we move on to emotion, and emotion for me is is a, is a massive one. You know, I know there's five here, but this for me, you know, emotion is the key for me. I think. And so, does the message make you panic, fearful, hopeful, or curious? So it's appealing to your emotion on all sorts of positive and negative levels in order to get you intrigued and to click. Yes. I, I, this subject again is too big to talk about in a brief, in just a few minutes, but I'm going to do yeah. my best. If you wanted to know why people click or why they would respond under Richard's really good description then of what emotion is, go online and try to find a document called or a blog called 50 Reasons Why People Buy. Now, it's a very salesy thing. I can understand that. But if you strip away the sales element of it and read the science buried in it, people click for any number of reasons, any number of reasons. With that document in your hand, you're much more, if you like, 
able to critically evaluate and think about what you're about to do next. Mm -hmm. um, those 50 reasons why people buy, you could change it and call it 50 reasons why people click or 50 reasons why people take action. It's all relative, but the science is really powerful in that document or in that blog if you find such a thing. And that will help you to understand more than we can describe in the few minutes we have about why people respond to emotion. Yeah, I mean, it just gets more and more fascinating for me. And, you know, the, another interesting one where we move on is, is demand. Again, very topical in respect of things that are in short supply, protective equipment for, for those in health and social care dealing with yeah. the, the current crisis. Demand is all about is the message about something in short supply, high demand and a completely different subject to COVID-19. I know for a fact, because I've tried to buy one at the moment, you cannot get a hot tub in the UK at the moment for love nor money. Nope. <laughs> so I, I'd imagine if you were a cyber criminal in the UK at the moment and you were fishing, uh, off, offering hot tubs, you'd get a pretty good yep. response rate and people would fall over very quickly. So this is what that's about. It's about you being, is, yeah. being asked to respond to something where there isn't much of it available, but it's in very, very high demand. I don't know whether you can remember, Richard, really early doors of the of the of the uh, the COVID nineteen here in the UK. Quite a few people that on Amazon and eBay that were selling, um, you know, the hand sanitizers were stopped straight away. Yeah, yeah. Because obviously they were trying to hike the prices, and of course that in itself was fundamentally wrong. But as you said, if you're a cyber criminal, I'm going to look at that and think, fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Because so people will start looking know. further afield. Sorry. Yeah, I mean, I guess, like, you know, if you move away from the health and social care bit and you go into more you know, availability and retail, that kind of thing. So if you're if you're closely aligned with the retailers and you're closely aligned with with people's shopping habits, you're going to do very well, aren't you, if you're a cyber criminal? Without a shadow of a doubt. And again, you know, simple things where we keep our data of what we do like to buy yeah. that can then be used back against us are things like store cards. Yeah. You know, when you, you know when you go to your grocery shop and they, they ping your card, yeah, you might get a few pound back, but actually what's on there is incredibly sensitive and valuable information that obviously an organization can use to sell back to you products or give you, if you like, vouchers or um, whatever it might be that would help you to buy more or spend on the same products. But to cyber criminals who can hack that information and get it, it's even yeah. more invaluable. Yeah, I mean, the really sophisticated ones, and when we go back to this sort of high level, organized level of crime, yeah, they'll be using algorithmic approaches to this based on demographics. So it'll be based on age, gender, uh, the likelihood that you'll be interested in certain things as opposed to other things. Um, and you know, if you if you target the kind of older age bracket, with with all due respect, that maybe you know my mum, for instance, mid seventies, uh, has has no interest or or um, or knowledge of of how to deal with this sort of stuff properly, and is is a sitting duck, and she will because of her age and demographic would be interested in certain things. So if she's targeted mm. you know, in a really specific way, that's, you know, that's a vulnerability. And that's, that's the same for, for teenagers and anyone of any age. Um, so, yeah, so that's your kind of demand side of it. And then we move on to topical. Again, it all knits together really well. Um, so are you expecting to see messages like this due to current events? So you can look at this two ways. So if it's, to if it's not topical and you receive something you weren't expecting, in some ways, you might be a little bit more trusting of it, but if, you, if it's topical and you just get your, in, your inbox is being inundated with different emails about the same thing, um, I guess it's very, very hard to apply that critical thinking. But so at the moment, people will be expecting to receive emails or contacts about the coronavirus. Uh, you might be receiving 
texts, SMSs from the NHS in relation to your circumstance. Um, so topicality, Mike, again, something to, to be really wary of. Without a doubt, um, the, the, the interesting thing with topical is, as you said, because it's an algorithm, um, cyber criminals know exactly what I'm doing and yeah. what affects my life and they can individualize it even. Um, and as you said, it sometimes even uh, apply it to a wider range of the same type of person. But, um, you know, I've received since COVID-19 began lockdown, I received four different types of messages that had I have not thought about what I was doing, and it's through your, and you know, your, you, should I say, you helping me understand what I need to be looking for, Richard, that I've not clicked or not done anything with it, where I believe I may well have been tempted if I'd not thought about it. Yeah. So for those of watching from, from a cybersecurity background, it's really important to emphasize that this is a very different diluted approach. So we're not talking about technology, we're talking about human beings and we're talking about, we're aiming this at businesses and employees who will be re receiving emails, um, SMS, texts as part of their job, for instance, to give them a tool. Uh, and the five key checks, authority, urgency, emotion, demand, and topical, are the things that you need to look out for in the emails you receive to help you decide whether it's something safe to respond to. That's the whole key. Uh, and this is why, in line with uh, some, some content that we shared last week in last week's webinar on social engineering, which is available on YouTube and on podcast, uh, our Spotify as a podcast, uh, that you take a look because it all knits together and it'll all form part of a, a white paper that we'll be releasing on Wednesday, which is completely free, uh, which sums up the whole three episode series that Mike and I have put together. Um, and you can get a copy of that by emailing hello at pulsecyber.co.uk. So Mike, that's, that's the Pulse Pentagon. Um, that's the five, the five prongs. Um, we're literally four minutes left. We've just flown by again. Um, so just to, to review where we've, where we've got to with, with the May webinar series, all of them are available to watch and listen. Uh, today's will be available by mid-afternoon today. So we've got Empowering the Human Firewall, which we started with, which was very much about evolving that cybersecurity culture in your organisation across the board, complete buy-in and a flat structure. And I think that came across really well. We then moved on to social engineering and the triggers that, that enable you to be socially engineered, which was received fantastically well last week from, from across the UK, Ireland, uh, mainland Europe, and even as far as the United States, we've had amazing feedback. And today, obviously, we're talking about trust nobody, how to beat the cyber criminals. And in total, we've only spoken for 90 minutes. It's absolutely no time whatsoever to cover these, these subjects. Mm -hmm. And what we're... But what we're touching on is, is the human aspect of, of cybersecurity, how we process as human beings and why that is the critical key to solving cybercrime in the years to come. The stats, 80% of data breaches are caused by employees or by people. It's really obvious that the key lies with people and education and raising awareness, which is where Mike and I are going with this. And when we talked about the human firewall, we talked about cyber guardians, if you remember, Mike, a couple of weeks ago now, wasn't it? That's right. Uh, and Mike and I, our two organisations, Pulse Cybersecurity and Empowered People Thrive, we're delighted to come into your organisation, working together to help you put together your cyber guardian team. It's as important as, as any other health and safety role or health champions, fire wardens, all those jobs. Cybersecurity is right up there now. This isn't an optional extra. This should be part of the it DNA of your business. Absolute must. Uh, and we will help you put those things in place. So that's what's available on YouTube and Spotify to watch. 
that we've already done. And then what we're looking to do is we move into June. We're only in obviously the middle of May at the moment. May 26th, I'll be presenting uh, specifically aimed at the accountancy sector, which is GDPR plus two years, the impact on the accountancy sector, which will be very much similar to a talk which I was due to give at Accountex at the Excel Arena, uh, which would have been in May, but it's now moved to November. So we're going to do that early as a webinar, and then I'll present again in, in November at Accountex. And then in June, Mike and I will be getting back together again for two planned set webinars with the dates to be confirmed. We're going to talk about data security in the education sector. So we're going to aim now at schools and colleges um, to, to talk about the responsibilities that you guys have in that sector, which is absolutely massive. Uh, when you think about the fact that schools are largely cashless now, so people are using biometrics to buy their school lunches with fingerprints, etc. You have huge overheads with your data security. And then we're also going to go on a fishing trip, PH, how to avoid being catch of the day. <laughs> so this Hello. is, yeah, so this, we're going to give you some on-screen examples of real phishing emails, as Mike touched on earlier, compared to, to genuine emails. So you can see the subtle differences uh, and give you real, on the, in the moment tips about how to avoid those phishing emails, technical controls you can put in place and what to check for, very simple, quick checks, as well as that Pulse Pentagon um, that you can check an email an individual email to make sure that it's kosher and you can actually give it a click and you can follow through so that's going to be really interesting dates will follow uh, and if you look on eventbrite on the pulse Cybersecurity eventbrite page you'll start to see those events uh, become bookable through our free ticket system uh, or check the website the pulse Cybersecurity website which is www.pulsecyber.co.uk if you'd like to speak to Mike or I individually, you can. We're very happy to deal with email contact. So if you want to speak to Mike, you can email mike at empoweredpeoplethrive.co.uk or you can email me, Richard, at pulsecyber.co.uk and we'll be happy to deal with any contacts and any questions you might have. Or any questions or comments following today's webinar, you can direct to hello at pulsecyber.co.uk or you can visit the website www.pulsecyber.co.uk and if you're really desperate and you have a real urgent issue and you need a data protection officer's involvement and advice, you can give our mobile contact hotline a call, which is 07368 443343. And we'd love you to follow us on Twitter at Pulse CyberSec. So, Mike, we've, we're three episodes in and, and uh, the human security series comes to a temporary conclusion. Um, what's your general kind of, you know, what, what's your general takeaway from the three episodes and the message that I think that comes through the strongest? Uh, a, a simple message um, learned a long time ago uh, knowledge is knowing that tomato is a fruit but intelligence is knowing that you don't put a tomato in a fruit salad and that's what we're talking about here this is about people if if everybody on TEDx and everything you read is about making it about people then please 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 if you've listened to either one of the three or all of the three please do realize it's in the people where the answer lies to making yourself really quite secure yeah fantastic well, well thank you so much Mike for, for your time and your support in putting this this series together I know we're going to do some more amazing stuff in June um, but I'd just like to thank you for, for being a part of this because there's no way that um, an organisation that focuses on cyber security such as Pulse or any other could put together this content without, without your input and your unique approach and I think we're asking questions of the industry now that, that hopefully will start to be seen as groundbreaking and, and we'd love everyone watching today or listening on Spotify to, to become part of this journey. Please follow us on, on Spotify. 
please go to the, the Pulse Cybersecurity YouTube channel. Everything we put together is available on there. Um, and it's been fantastic. I really enjoyed it and, and it's so refreshing. So thanks, Mike. Really appreciate it. Thank you, mate. Take care. Okay. Thanks, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye-bye, then.